This is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel, Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. Everyone on planet Earth, anyone I've ever talked to in one way or another has expressed a desire to have inner peace and true joy. Just have those two things. Money, I don't need those. I just want these things. People think that the money or the drugs or the awards or the trophies or whatever it is, the relationship will bring those things. But it's not true. You don't need any of those things. And if you think that the road to joy is through those things, it's no wonder. You don't have joy or you have temporary spouts of joy because the joy of the Lord remains. You abide in Him. Jesus says, I will give these things to you, but it only comes to those who are abiding in me. You know, the world continues to try to educate people on what it means and what it'll take to be happy, content, and joyful. Today, Pastor Troy will encourage listeners that the fruits of the Spirit, the characteristics that any person would desire, only come from abiding in Jesus. Do you feel like something's been missing, like the things of this world are not delivering on what they promise? The Bible tells us that these fruits of the Spirit come naturally to those who abide in Jesus, and His Word never breaks promises. Now, here's Pastor Troy in the book of John, chapter 15, with today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock. Who gets pruned? The fruitful vine. So when you're producing fruit, he says, I'm going to take care of this one. I'm going to prune it so that it produces more fruit. He pays attention to the fruitful vine. That which is dead, he doesn't seem to pay much attention to. He says, we cut it off, we throw it out, we focus on the fruitful. That which is fruitful. You're here to hear for you. God wants to change you so that you minister to the others around you because something has changed in you. Something has has ignited in you. When you allow this to happen, things get exciting. Things really do. Instead of they say something to you and, and you respond negatively or cranky. Some can get really cranky. They get up too early, they're cranky. They don't get a meal, they're cranky. They age a little bit, they're cranky. Whatever it is, they're cranky. And so instead of responding and you're cranky, or negative and down. Instead, you have a positive outlook. You respond the way Christ would want you to, and they're taken aback, like, this isn't the same you. What, what happened? What's wrong with you? Are you dying? No, I'm actually living. I was dying before. What you saw before was the dying. This is the living. And you've confused the two. See, when you allow this, They start to come to you for the right reasons and not the wrong reasons. See, all of us can have people come to us and think it's for godly reasons they come to us. Hey, the scripture says to give, and so I'm going to define it my way, and I'm going to, my child, they keep blowing all their money and losing and making bad decisions, so I'm going to keep giving them money. They keep coming back because I'm the godly one. No, that's not what that means. They're coming to you not because you're Christ-like. They're coming to you because you're not a fruit tree, you're a money tree. 
They get money. That's why they're coming to you. But if you cut off that branch and you start living and prioritizing and the attitude of Christ starts to come from you, then over time they begin to see a difference. And when they do come to you, it won't be because of the money or because of the things that you always do because that's been pruned for greater fruitfulness. So now what they begin to see is they get to that place of, I want the joy they have. I want what they have. What is it? Why the change? Why are you different? And then they come to you as a thirsty person looking for living water. Instead of looking for money, instead of looking for the place to stay, instead of looking for you to side with them against the spouse, they come to you for that which is really going to refresh living water. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So we come to him and we drink and we are satisfied. But he continued. He said, John seven thirty eight. he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's quenching, you know. That doesn't mean that you'll be this arrogant person who just spits out scriptures like we have a fire hose and go, can I have a drink? You know, there's blown back by Romans 8, 28. I told you that. And you got the scriptures coming at them. That's not refreshing. It's talking living water, something that is cool and refreshing. They want more of it. See, we come to the Lord We need living water, and he satisfies us. But then more than that, he causes us to become a conduit. Things come out of us that begin to encourage, inspire, and refresh others. We are different. When we experience the living water, we don't do so to change them. We are changed, and our changes begin to change them. So we will grow, if we're going to grow normal, we will grow fruitful in life. Producing fruit that is noticeable, natural, and nourishing. We will also, if we're going to grow normally, we'll grow powerful in prayer. Fruitful in life, powerful in prayer. Look back at verse 7, John 15, 7. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Why don't Christians pray more? I mean, why aren't prayer ministries more active or why aren't more people involved in the prayer ministry? I mean, what's so wrong that we don't see the powerful effects of prayer? Did you know that it's not because prayer is not taking place? Because prayer is happening all over the world. Um, The most common daily activity all over the world is prayer. Jews do it, Christians do it, Muslims do it, Buddhists do it, everyone's praying. On, on rare occasion, even atheists will throw up a prayer. Now it could be, oh, Lord, help me. Or it could be just this, I told you, this is why I don't believe in you. Like, what are you, who are you talking to? You don't even believe in him. How could you shake your fist? How could you talk to him in anger? Because to you, he's not even there. But they know, they do. According to Barna Research, four or five Americans pray at some point during a typical week. Now, it doesn't mean it's necessarily a long prayer, but they throw something up. 
Sometimes they just gather to gossip in prayer. Father, hey, let's all come together. Let's all come together and pray. Father, you know that Judy's been seeing that one guy we told her not to. So we pray for her. We pray for Judy, Lord. She's already said she doesn't have self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit. And so poor Judy, she's not in someone's prayer. She's in their gossip chain. For whatever reason, we're not connecting properly in prayer, sort of like the little kid who learned it's good to pray. So one night he's praying, and he's saying, Lord, bless mommy and daddy and my brothers and sisters and my little puppy and God, please give me a bicycle. I want that bicycle. And he's, he's praying really loud. You know, it's bedtime. Mom from the other room yells into his room, son, you don't have to pray so loud. God isn't deaf. Well, the boy replied, I know, Mommy, but Grandma's in the next room, and she is hard of hearing. You see, who did the little boy want the bicycle from? Grandma. Sometimes we're not real fruitful in prayer or powerful in prayer because we're praying at each other and not with each other. I've heard people pray, and it's like there's this switch from, Lord, you are awesome, you're the amazing one, to I don't know what they're thinking, but all of a sudden they're just like preaching a little message, like, your word says, O Lord, where two or more are gathered, and now we've shifted, we've got some scripture, and now now little Jenny, she's, she's discouraged. And so, and Lord, you said that it's not about how much we can do, it's about what you can do. And the Lord's like, yeah, I, I know all this, do you want to talk to me, or... You just want me to be an audience here because our prayer goes from talking to him and asking of him and praising him to talking about him. We've invited him, but we're just talking about him. And that's not going to be powerful prayer. That's you. It's you trying to get things done, trying to, you accomplishing your will and on earth as it is in your heart. And so we've got to be very, very careful. The same as, as we worship. One of the things that I was taught as a worship leader, you've got to remember that most of your songs, it's okay that you have some songs that are, I will lift your voice and I need your helps. That's great. But don't make all your songs that because most worship ought to be about who he is, what he's done, how he can do it. It's about him. Probably before our meals, we may pray. Maybe you don't do it in public, but we pray. And we hear about certain tragedies going on in the world, and we'll pray. But why is it that when it comes to really getting down to praying and seeking him for clear direction, and we got those bucket lists, we call that direction. Got a bucket list, I want to do this. How many of you taken your bucket list and, and seen if God really cares about what's in the bucket? Collecting shells on the Caribbean? Like, I, I don't really care about that. I don't care if you ever do that. Well, but it's on my list, Lord, and you love me, and you want me happy, no? You get snipped off. That's a fruitless vine. No, no, he's got to work. He's got a plan for you. He's got a bucket list for you already. Ask him what it is. Let him do in you with every last breath that you have what he wants, because one day we're going to stand before him, and all the things that we tried to do and wanted to do here on earth won't matter. Could it be that we, we don't really see that prayer works? We, we don't see the results, and so we don't really devote time and energy to it? Well, the reason I say this is because Jesus just promised here something very incredible. 
A promise like this, you abide in me, my words abide in you, we'll ask what you desire, it shall be done for you. Something like that ought to cause us to go, we need to pray first thing. I got something I think we need for ministry, we got to pray. We should depend on him through prayer, but we don't. We often discount prayer. It's a last resort. I can say it while I'm dry. I can just throw it in wherever. And we make so many mistakes. Oh, but there's a condition. See, the promise is incredible, but there's a condition. We must abide in him. Abiding, staying connected. See, that means that we abide in him. We let him abide in us. He's abiding in us and his thoughts start to overtake our thoughts. His priorities overtake our priorities. His will over our will. He begins to guide and direct. And it says, his words abide in you. So it's no longer my prayer, my wants I'm pushing for, but now I am actually starting to align with his will, his heart. His word begins to give me the parameters for effective prayer. Stay tuned to hear more from today's teaching on building on the solid rock. Pastor Troy Neely has been sharing insights from God's word with us, and he'll have much more to share in the next part of this message. We're so glad you tuned in today, and we pray you've been encouraged and challenged by what you've heard. If you've been touched by this program, or if you have any questions about building on the solid rock, we'd love to hear from you. Send an email to info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. That's info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. You can also find out more about this program by visiting buildingonthesolidrock.com. Listen to previous teachings as well, and even subscribe to our podcast. Now, here's Pastor Troy with more of today's message. Abide in Him, He in you. Pray according to His will and not yours. As we abide in Him, our prayers will align with His. I remember when I was young, I prayed. I prayed when I was young, but I would do something wrong. And then when I did something wrong, I would think, oh, I could get caught, or mom's coming home. Oh, no, I left that thing out. And so, Lord, please don't let my mom see that thing. Or, Lord, please let my dad come home late today. Or whatever the prayer was. I was, I was serious. I was diligent. I meant it with all of my little heart. But was that really a prayer in line with God's will? No. See, I was praying, make it easy on me, Lord. Oh, I messed up, Lord. Don't make me go through consequences. But sometimes the consequences are the very thing that are needful. Because we're supposed to pray before we make the mistakes, not pray to get out of the consequences of the mistakes. And so consequences, I think, are necessary, but we can pray ourselves through them. Lord, here I am. What is the right thing for me to do? How do I move in the right direction from this point? Sometimes you find that God works with you and removes things supernaturally, and it's amazing, and it's a blessing. Other times, other things you work through. You have to go apologize face to face. You have to bear your heart. You have to do the hard things. You have to, you know, you get yourself into financial debt or something because of bad decisions, It's not that God says, okay, good. Now, here's your million-dollar lottery ticket. No, no. God says, this is going to take one payment a month for years. Don't do it again. And that's the message. And oh, after all those years, 
you go, let's not do that again. Jesus taught the disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, we can't live like hell or like we want to and expect the support of heaven. You just can't do that. The more I abide in him and he in me, the more I begin to align with his will and I begin to see things his way. It happens naturally. We see things the way we never saw them before. My prayers become more Christ-centered and ultimately more powerful. James 5.16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When we begin to depend upon him in prayer, we align with him We make fewer mistakes because we prayed in advance. We're not praying to avoid consequences. We're praying for direction before we make the bad mistakes. And then we see more of his provision and more of his power. Thus, the third thing that we should see if we're growing normally, and that is joyfulness in spirit. Joyful in spirit. So powerful in prayer, fruitfulness in life, but joyful in spirit. There should be joy in the life of a Christian. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So he promised them peace back in 14, chapter 14, verse 27, and now joy. He's promised them joy. Everyone on planet earth, anyone I've ever talked to in one way or another has expressed a desire to have inner peace and true joy. Just have those two things. Money, I don't need those. I just want these things. People think that the money or the drugs or the awards or the trophies or whatever it is, the relationship will bring those things, but it's not true. You don't need any of those things. And if you think that the road to joy is through those things, it's no wonder you don't have joy or you have temporary spouts of joy because the joy of the Lord remains. You abide in him. Jesus says, I will give these things to you, but it only comes to those who are abiding in me. Those who abide in Christ, the reason that there is fruitfulness is because they're connected to Christ, they're cared for by the Father who tends and prunes, and they're consistent. They're consistent over time. Today, we're learning that there's a production, there's something being produced. There's a fruitfulness of life. There's powerful Prayer, there's a power in prayer and in joyfulness in spirit that happens as a result of normal growth. Sadly, many Christians seem to have low or no joy. To be honest with you, that's uninspiring. And who wants to be in that church? Who wants to have that faith? You know that, I don't have fun anymore. Hey, you want to go have fun? We're going to go bowling, we're going to do this, we're going to... No. I'm studying 11 chapters a day for the glory of the Lord. One day we're going to heaven. You want to go? I think I'll go bowling. Like, wow, that's not very inviting. Oliver Wendell Holmes said, I would have entered the ministry if the clergymen I know didn't look and act so much like undertakers. Here's why. We work, we try to get, we try to climb, we try to prove ourselves and we try to get the things and we try to make sure that there's some kind of fruit in our life. I have more knowledge now. I studied, I studied, I studied. The fruit is my knowledge. And, and, and we work and we work and we wear ourselves out. But joy is the natural result of simply abiding in Christ. Because see, here's how it works. 
When we abide in Christ, we produce fruit, character traits. Our character is changed. Our character reflects his. That begins to nourish others. It's like living water. It refreshes them. They're touched. They're changed. It produces more fruit. When we see that, when we see them touched and nourished, it fulfills us. We go, wow, I made a difference. My life, you did something in me. I didn't even know what you were going to do, Lord, but you've done something. It excites us. It fulfills us, which brings genuine purpose and joy. And it's natural. We didn't strive for anything. So let's wrap this up. How long have you been a believer? Just, just consider that for a moment while I ask other questions. See, for the believer, growing should be normal. It's normal. So, the follow-up question, are you growing? Are you growing? And let me make it more specific. Let me give our three points today. Are you growing fruitful in life? Are you growing powerful in prayer? Are you growing joyful in spirit? In fact, you know, in math, they used to have the answers in the back of the books or the odd or even problems. And sometimes it would be very helpful to go to the back, look at the answer, and then work it to make sure you're working it the right way. So let's try that for a moment. Let's start with this. How's your joy? How's your joy? And if it's not there, if it's not where you think it should be, It could be that you're not abiding in Christ like maybe you thought you were. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily totally unplucked, but maybe you're just hanging on by a thread, being fed, but just little tiny bits, not enough to produce any real fruit, or at least you're producing very dwarfed fruit at best. Are you abiding in him? Because abiding in him produces joy. If we could really let these truths lay hold of us, it could change our homes. It could change our church. It could change our communities. It will change us, and it could change those around us. If you're not a believer, guess what? You can be right now. I want this joy. I want life change. Oh, and guess what? Here's good news for you. You won't have to work. I won't give you a list of things you have to do to be holy and righteous. That was the law. No. You won't have to work to try to become something that you're not in order to produce results that you're not capable of. All you have to do is believe in him and abide in him. If you abide in him, then he will abide in you. When he abides in you, his word will abide in you and it will produce things naturally that will come from you that are different than you used to be. You'll be able to say like Paul, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. There is no list. He knows. He has the list. With a list, the problem with a list is I can do all the 15, 40, 300, 500. I can do all those things and still not have a heart for people, not have a heart for Christ. I could do everything on his list just to do it, to become more righteous. Go, I do more than that person. That's what was wrong in Israel. So he did away with the list. He said, if you abide in me, I will produce the fruit in you. There is no law for that. You don't need a law for that. And you will be different. 
We will grow naturally. Fruit will be produced naturally. Does that sound like something you want? Sound like something you want to taste? Not only you, but does that sound like something you want others around you to taste in you? Hey, we're so glad you joined us today for Pastor Troy's teaching in the book of John. If you'd like to hear today's message again, visit our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. There, you'll also find an archive of previous messages from Pastor Troy, as well as information about this radio ministry, Building on the Solid Rock. You might be interested in the church behind this ministry as well, Calvary Chapel Solid Rock. If you're in the San Antonio area, we'd love to meet you and for you to be a part of our weekly services. For the latest service times, please visit our website. You'll find a link to Calvary Chapel Solid Rock at buildingonthesolidrock.com. From all of us on the production team at Building on the Solid Rock, we'd like to say thank you for tuning in today. We pray you continue to seek God during these times of uncertainty and that you explore what He wants to teach you in His Word. Join us again as Pastor Troy continues sharing from the book of John on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in Him. Come have your way in us. Come